0: I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The has If you changed. count the legal votes, I we easily win. We should go for a short time. To to get to
1: no, well, done. This right, candle smells like, like it, my vagina. I shouldn't it's be up so here. What's I should be back in there? school on the I other go side go of the ocean. What the fuck is going on?
0: Hello, I'm Mark Steele, and welcome to episode ten of my podcast. And I still have to ask the question. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? This week, the Taliban took back control of Afghanistan. After 20 years, we're back where we started. But. This is a new Taliban that says it's modernised so we shouldn't be cynical about them because they claim they've become inclusive and diverse so we should believe them. Soon they'll tell us we've scrapped our law that we will execute perverted sodomites. Instead, we're going to execute same-sex partners because all our jihadists have been ordered to attend a language awareness course. In addition, women who commit adultery will now be stoned to death with sustainable locally sourced rocks because this is a much more moderate Taliban. Maybe because even when it comes to terrorism, their attitude now is, well, it's all right to blow up one tower, not both. Also, if we're to be picky about the Taliban, they ban music, alcohol and dancing. But they have always allowed one tiny concession to enjoying yourselves recreationally, which is you are allowed to produce industrial quantities of heroin because we all need a little bit of me time. They've released footage of their fighters looking modern and lifting weights in the gym and riding bumper cars, and next they'll be making adverts for Muller Fruit Corner Yoghurts, with one of their soldiers licking his lips and purring, hmm, it's infidelicious. Even so, they're probably not the people that we hoped would take over when we left the country. After 20 years and hundreds of lives and billions of pounds, if you're greedy, you might hope for something a little bit more than to be back where you started. Now, many people seem to be blaming the Foreign Secretary, Dominic Raab, for being on holiday and not even making a phone call as thousands of people tried to flee Kabul. And he replied, no one saw this coming, and to be fair to him, nobody did, apart from the intelligence and the military and most foreign politicians and reporters and anyone who watches the news. So in a way, it's quite sweet to have a Foreign Secretary who knows nothing about anything that's foreign apart from his own holiday so when someone told him Kabul has fallen he probably thought they meant the prices for a weekend break and thought oh that's handy I could nip over in September to refresh my tan so now we have to puzzle out why it is that no one was prepared to defend the regime that the West put in place now a few people did suggest, 20 years ago, it might not be a good idea to invade Afghanistan, as it could make things even worse. And there was a thoughtful debate at the time in which those people were told, How can you not support bombing Afghanistan? You lily-livered, terrorist-supporting, pacifist-traitor, communist, jihadist pods! And if you were lucky, a face was on the front page of a newspaper in a bowl of jelly. So off they bombed, and maybe it didn't help that to start with they allied themselves to a warlord called General Dostum, who set up slave labour camps. And you have to commend the Americans here for this, because it must have been hard to locate someone more appalling than the Taliban, but fair play to them, with determination, they managed to find him. And the Americans also cleverly tried to win over the local population by calling their occupation part of... project for the American century and this was bound to persuade people to support them in the same way that you'd support someone who came into your house and said I'm from the project to take all your stuff and burgled everywhere and bombed your kitchen and took your iPad. In 2010 the regime was declared the second most corrupt government in the world after Somalia and I bet Somalia only came first because they bribed the judges. So now, thousands of people who fear the Taliban might not be as chilled out as they're saying they'll be are trying to flee, including hundreds who were helping us. And lots of people here are asking what they can do to help them. Others show their compassion in a different way, by calling phone-in shows to yell, Why should we have to take them? I mean, all, all they can do is, is translate seven languages. That's no good to us, they should have a useful skill, such as ringing Jeremy Vine every day. And my favourite this week, was Steve from Ipswich, bless him, who said, I'm looking at a map, right, right now, and there's a country called Turkmenistan, and it's huge, right? So as they've got all that room, they should take it. This is the answer to so many problems. If there's an earthquake or a drought or a war, send the refugees to somewhere huge. I mean, look at the Pacific Ocean, it's massive. Why can't they go there? It must be wonderful in the simple world of Steve's head, where you can see people running from a burning building, screaming, and instead of the complex array of thoughts that would plague most of us, all you think is, I hope they don't come to Ipswich. So I think we should support Dominic Raab, because if George W. Bush and all the others had gone on holiday like he did, and not made any phone calls instead of invading the place with no clue what they were doing, this whole fiasco might have been avoided. It's too much of a burden to find out exactly what the fuck is going on all by myself. So I am honoured indeed to have with me a compatriot who's going to try and explain what the fuck is going on. The very wonderful, marvellously delectable Shappy Kosandi.
2: Hello. How are you, marvellously delectable Mark?
0: <laughs> I'm alright. I'm very excited to have you here to help us to answer this philosophical conundrum.
2: Right. So,
0: Nando's.
2: Yeah. They've run out of chickens. I have not been able to sleep. How can you run
0: out of chickens when you're... That's the whole purpose of Nando's is chickens. And they're sort of like a great success story of the modern world, Nando's, and they've run
2: out of fucking chickens. Chickens. Well, you know, there's a finite amount of chickens in the world, and... It was when I went to Myanmar. Oh, right. It was the first time i have been to like a developing country and I saw market traders selling live chickens all stuffed in these bags. Right. So you just get handed a bag of, you know, 10 live chickens. And I looked at that and I thought, that can't be right. I mean, it can't be right to do that too. No an animal. And when they have a restaurant like Nando's, you have to really have a lot of chickens raised in really awful conditions in order to supply people. And it's just not possible to churn out that many chickens. They're not grains of rice, they're animals. And I'm delighted that they're in this predicament because I don't think any chicken should be eaten unless it's been raised in a loving home with plenty of acres to run around in and maybe a little sheep as a mate.
0: And stroked and that. And
2: stroked and loved and and listened to and read to. And and when it's ready, yes. when it's ready, it can go take me now. And that is the circumstance. You should eat a chicken.
0: I was in uh, Alderney once doing one of the town shows and I spent an afternoon with a pig farmer who was a humane or whatever the word is, pig farmer. And she, more than anyone else converted me to the cause of thinking about these things because she had this sort of pigs and she really, i oh, I love this pig. And she would know, can you want to help me throw all sort of bits of old melon and stuff at it? And, oh, look at this big thing. And she was sort of stroking it. And then she said, uh, yeah, he's going to be used for a, a wedding party in a couple of weeks. Right. And I thought, oh, but, but there was something quite humane about it. She was doing exactly yeah. what she hoped. The, the pig was quite happy up until the moment it was eaten. And that's sort of halfway... There is a sort of halfway house with vegetarianism that I think's probably got all right, isn't it? Make the thing really happy until you kill it. Like, if serial killers did that, you know, Fred West, no, he looked after people first.
2: I'm letting you go down this path on your own, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Send me a postcard <laughs> from Cancel Land. <laughs> but could you eat a pig that you were mates with? No, I feel
0: really uneasy, and that's why we're hypocrites.
2: Absolutely, you see, it's a very hypocritical thing. I mean, I personally can't handle Nando's or Kentucky Fried Chicken or anything like that, because it's like they're not not—they're not apples. You just can't go around yeah. growing animals for meat without having any sort of connection with them, any sort of responsibility for their well-being. You just can't. And so um, I I don't do any of that. But, of course, you know, I did do right up until I had these feelings about sort of five years ago. Do you know what I mean? So I can't be a hypocrite either. It took a long time for me to see it that way.
0: Yes, I reckon in a 100 years' time, this will be the thing The seven survivors on Earth will probably look back and go, what, they used to breed chickens for a place called Nando's and then just eat them like that and all of that sort of thing. And how could they do that? Because by then they'll discover that chickens can talk if only we listen to their language and that they can do complicated maths puzzles. How did they used to do that? Even so, despite all of that, it is funny that they've run out of chickens.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny and I'm glad. I didn't know I hated Nando's as much, I'll be honest, until we just started chatting.
0: So this is a good thing. So it's good to be positive. Yeah. Now that leads me on to this next subject, it doesn't really, but uh, the next subject is, <laughs> and I'm do- I'm still a little bit uneasy, sort of asking you about this, but I don't know why. Right. So OnlyFans. Now I only became aware that there was such a thing as OnlyFans quite recently, but I became very aware of it this week because OnlyFans that exist so that mostly so that people could do their own personalised porn things they're now saying they're not going to allow sexually explicit content which is a bit like nando saying we're no longer going to allow chickens so what the fuck is going on then with OnlyFans? why has this happened what is this what is OnlyFans? i'm of the wrong generation well
2: you've got a computer you told me once you'd never watched porn i don't watch porn amazing Now you've never watched porn on screen i'm not interested in it Amazing. Okay, so I didn't know about OnlyFans until I was researching my book, Kissing Emma, which is out on the 2nd of September, by the way. So my girl, Emma, um, she starts an OnlyFans account. And I don't delve too deeply into it, so I don't say what she does on it, but it is up to the person themselves. It has been up until now. What they do on it could just be snaps. It could be porn. The fact that they've cancelled that they're not permitting sexually explicit. Now, listen, I am not an expert on the sex industry. I'm just telling you how I feel because I've always felt that sex workers, sex work should be decriminalised, which is, it's different to legalised. I have to make the distinction. It's decriminalised. And I feel that if you are a sex worker, Jesus, OnlyFans meant that you got all the money.
0: They keep 20%. I was listening to it on the radio yesterday.
2: So that's the same as in our industry. That's what we give yeah, to yeah. an agent, right? That's how it should be. I think to make a person their own boss while selling sexual images and tailoring it to people who have asked for particular things, You look, why are we still trying to ban <laughs> sex work? Why? And why, when we've found an outlet... Where it's safer. You're in your house, you're not letting strangers actually near your person, you get the money. It's never gonna go. Why are we so sp- puritanical about sex work still? I think it's such a shame for the people that earn a living from this. And also, like, frankly, you know, if you destigmatize stuff like that, then you just give people more options or take away the shame. That we still heap on sex workers.
0: This is a terrible thing that OnlyFans has shut
2: down in. I think so. I mean, I've never personally used it, but they provide a service. Yeah. Are you with me?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm completely with you. Although it's just not, it's still not my cup of tea.
2: I might do an OnlyFans just for you, Mark. I'll, yes. I'll just read stuff out. Yes, please. All right. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's (laughs) sorted.
0: Right. Now, we have a man down, of course, in our industry. You know, my faith was already sort of wobbly, I'll be honest, in The Good Lord. But why does someone like Sean Locke die at the age of 58? That's not right.
2: No, I know. I wasn't friends with Sean. He was part of our industry and I always feel comedians are like... Uh, I think it was Roisin Connerty put it beautifully, with the same species. Yes. All distant cousins. And sometimes like, you might meet a comic you've never met before in your life at a gig, but you have more in common with them than some members of your own family. <laughs> yes. And then there's a, there's a very uh, selfish part of mourning. A comic that you idolised.
0: I read your very lovely, um, your very lovely column about Sean, and uh, you told this really nice story about doing the uh, was it the O2? Yeah. Well, do you want to explain what it was?
2: Okay, so I just remember everyone was giggling. So, this is when we were both with Off the Curb Agency, and all the curb agents were giggling because they all loved Sean, they were so excited about what he was going to do, and they were giggling, saying, He's got nothing planned, he's just rocked up, he's got nothing planned. And he went on stage, and we all rushed upstairs to watch. And he went on the stage and didn't do a word of material. Not a word. I think it was around sort of... Before Brexit got really nasty, he divided the audience, leavers, remainers, just one-half leavers, one-half remainers. And he just did this mad thing where he got them all to chant ridiculous things at each other. And everyone was just creased up laughing. And it was one of those moments in comedy where... You can't describe exactly what happened, but you just know that the energy he created in that room and bound 20,000 people together as though they were at a cosy little, you know, party in someone's back garden. And that is so
0: hard to do that. I would be, I mean, like, you'd be terrified. You'd be all week thinking there's 20,000 people. I want to get every word of this and write it and oh, everything. Oh, yeah. That, that's and what he... I said.
2: I said the rest of us idiots, you know, did tried and tested <laughs> material. Yeah. That confidence in your own playfulness, that confidence in the fact that I'm here now, we're all going to have a heap of fun. And there's an art to that. People think that that's pulled out of his arse, but you need to be so embedded in your craft and in your talent to be able to do that. He was an artist and that's often overlooked, I think, when someone's funny. Just a funny guy. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. The sort of bit about him just having a bit playful thing... Because I, I was talking to Mark Lamar. I was really good friends with Sean. And he said they were writing something once and they were talking about athletes who got done for taking drugs and steroids and so on mm. and what should be done to them. And Sean said something that I don't know any other comic would have said this. He said Sean went... What should happen to them, instead of having their trophies taken off them, the next time they race, when the gun goes off, they should only be allowed to start after they've completed a limerick. (laughs) So the gun goes, and then you hear, there was a young woman from Darlington. Finish that, you can go. (laughs) Yes.
2: That's so mental, but that's brilliant, isn't it? It's intelligence, it's brilliance. To find the most ridiculous thing. Yeah, yeah, like with all the, you know,
0: the fame of the film. It's so brilliant when he does the sort of parody of the children of the tiger who come to tea, you know, yeah. the tiger who went for a pint. Every word of that is perfect. Yeah. The bit in it cracks me. He goes, the tiger had already been banned from the king's head for mauling the darts team. <laughs> Naughty tiger. Uh, that is so, so funny.
2: And also, how many parents have read The Tiger Who Came to Tea and just thought, he'd drunk all her daddy's beer. <laughs> and it was, it was always, I remember reading it, just thinking to myself, that mum's an alcoholic. She, yeah, she yeah, makes yeah, up yeah, a yeah. story.
0: She's, what
2: are you doing on me? Every time. And, ta- and, and as a comic, it's never occur- it never occurred to me. To pull it out and make it a thing and trust that the audience will have thought the same thing that picked up on the beer bit in that book. Yes. And it's a massive heap of intelligence to pick the thing from your brain that is the thing that everyone's going to relate to. And it seems so easy, of course, a limerick, and also to trust that everyone's going to have had, you know, the same thought process, but you're the one that has brought it to the fore and pointed it out. And those
0: little details, so, as Pete writes on this podcast, pointed out, one of the brilliant little details in that, uh, the tiger even drank all the rum that they got in for the Caribbean night. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yes, all it makes me say, I'll be seeing you later. And in between now and then, I'm going to be watching my team versus your team, Palace versus Brinkley.
2: Oh, go on, bees. Am I convincing? Bees. (laughs) I've become a Bees fan ever since they got in. Yeah, you
0: look like someone from a documentary about the 1970s going round with a knife, (laughs) calling yourself the Brentford firm. (laughs) Lots of love. Bye bye, Shappy. Thank you for explaining to us what the fuck's going on. See ya. What the fuck
1: is going
0: on? Last, after three cancellations, the next James Bond film, No Time To Die, is going to be released next month. Now, I like a James Bond film, but I'm not an expert. Luckily, we have with us someone who is George Galloway. Let me put it to you, James Bond, the relentless tenacity with which you pursue your hubristic espionage in an effort to perpetuate Western hegemony, ...serves only to elucidate your fragility in the face of anti-imperialist heroes... ...such as Odd Job Scaramanga and the man who blew up like a balloon and exploded. Your futuristic gadgets are no match for your revolutionary nemesis Blofeld... ...whose white cat's indefatigable felinity is reminiscent of the indomitable defiance of Ho Chi Minh and the Viet Cong. That, Mr. Bond, is why I will only be giving your latest film, Two Stars, on Amazon Film Reviews. This week, it said on the news that online banking had crashed, so nobody could use Lloyd's and Santander and, I don't know, some other banks. And I thought, oh, that's not news. They've always crashed. And now you have to ring this automated thing that just never worked. Please say the reason for your call. And you're on a train or something, so you try to be discreet. "Uh, Transfer money to my current account. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Transfer money to my current... I'm sorry I didn't catch... TRANSFER MONEY TO MY CURRENT ACCOUNT! You want to set up an online porn website? NO! Press 1 for anal and 2 for golden showers. NO! And if you stay on the line, hoping to eventually speak to an actual person, you get this message that goes, why not pop in to your local branch? There are as many as three regional bank hubs still open in the Falkland Islands, North Korea and the fictitious land of Narnia. Check online for your nearest one. All these sorts of places are like it now. They've removed the humanity. I got this bill from Southern Water for £1,300 and they started sending bailiff's letters and there was nothing one that you could ring up and speak to and say, this bill is obviously mad. And eventually, after two hours, I got someone to answer the phone and they said,
1: We do advise you to pay the bill and try to sort out any miscalculation later.
0: And then after six months, I got a call from a manager who said, You will be pleased to know, Mr Steele, we have passed this case on to our concerned team. I thought, well, who's had it up until now then, that couldn't give a shit team? And then I got a call from someone who said,
1: have you been using an unusually large amount of water?
0: And I knew as soon as I was saying it, I shouldn't do this, but I just couldn't help it. And I went, well, I did turn the house into a Dolphinarian, but everything's like this now. I got the car down to the garage to book it in for an MOT and the bloke said, on oh, Monday should be all right, but it's easier now. You just go home and book it in online. I said, well, we've just agreed, haven't we? He said, nobody's easier now. You go home and book, how can that be easier? How can it be easier than us just agreeing it For me to go home and spend an hour and a half trying to log on to your impenetrable website with a password that I first put in eight years ago when I was pissed and couldn't possibly remember. Then have to fill in page after page of registration things that you can't ever know and nobody ever gets it right first time. Where do I put the postcode? And oh, then you press send and then there's them little red lines that they love putting around the box. as if there's someone in the office going ha 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 he's got it wrong we can make him do it all over again invalid date of birth must contain an item of fruit so you do it all again and press it oh now what oh you haven't accepted the terms and conditions as if anybody's read 200 pages of the terms and conditions you don't know what you're signing you've probably agreed to keep their hippo in your loft so what this new technology is doing is adding work Because now we have to do all the administration. When computers and robots were first invented, it was assumed that they'd just make everything really simple. So we'd end up with almost no work to do. And then you'd get little items on programs like Tomorrow's World that went, Darling, I'm home.
1: Oh, goodness, that was a long day. You've been gone for over 10 minutes.
0: Yes, Nigel was off sick, so I had to cover for him. Then the hyperspace rocket was three nanoseconds late. Signal delay outside Venus.
1: Oh, never mind, darling. The robot's cooked your favourite. Pilchers on toast.
0: Bon appétit! In the 1930s, John Maynard Keynes predicted... Labour-saving technologies might lead to a 15-hour working week when my grandchildren come of age. But now, the working week is longer than it was 50 years ago. And most of our leisure time is spent filling in online forms. So you get emails saying, we noticed last week you bought a Kit Kat. Would you like to review it and everyone wants feedback if a parcel is delivered you're asked to review that not the parcel but the delivery of the parcel please give us your thoughts on the quality of the delivery of the parcel and i'm always tempted to put unfortunately your delivery team accidentally put a bomb in the parcel and now everyone in the street is dead disappointing two stars what the fuck? This week there was a terrible earthquake in Haiti and events like this obviously have an impact on us all. I heard a woman talking about it in a cafe.
1: Of course, when you see the devastation caused by these earthquakes, you can't help but worry, because it could cause subsidence in one of our properties. I mean, we've got a place in Provence. It was a nightmare getting insurance as it was, without this Haiti business playing havoc with the Richter scale. We've had a lot of trouble with the builders, as it is. They're locals, and, well, <laughs> you know what the French are like. And it's so annoying because they don't speak English. And we've been going out there for years, so you'd have thought they'd made the effort to learn it. Our daughter, Nectarine, is very good at French, because she got an A for an essay called Monsieur Marceau And she says these builders can't speak it properly at all. So anyway, Richard Madeley said on Good Morning Britain that they set up a charity for the victims of the earthquake. So I rang them, asking if we could have some of the money just in case it had caused subsidence to the outhouse. And their reply was quite rude, to be frank. And I explained to them Colin needs the outhouse as he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of Rygate. And this woman said we have whole villages here with no running water. But that's the trouble these days. It's just me, me, me with some people. Uh, Excuse me, yes... I asked for this water to be filtered through Scottish heather. Could you go and do it now, please? I'm in a hurry. What the fuck
0: is going on? So I've got some messages from listeners to the podcast from all over the place, which is lovely. For example, Jack Nichols writes, I'm enjoying what the fuck is going on, especially the little jingles and sketches... Heard in the last episode that you've got a listener in Japan. I'm in South Korea. So, hello, Jack. That's brilliant that this somehow is going out in South Korea. Oh, now, Philip Edwards says, what the fuck is going on? Bitcoins, what the fuck are they all about? But I don't pretend to understand bitcoins. I know that no one's produced anything. That's all I know. No one's made anything. So you can't suddenly go, right, bitcoins are now worth... £80,000, whereas I bought one for fourpence. If Radio 4 employed me as the financial expert, and now Moneybox with Mark Steele. I don't know, how can it be bloody worth all that if it used to be that? Fucking hell. And Anubis Art Goes Birding, a magnificent Twitter handle. Thank you very much for writing great podcast. Next week I'm moving back to the UK from the US after 10 years. Have I missed much? Um, no, nothing much has happened here, really. It's still pretty much as it was. And equally, obviously, in America over the last 10 years, you've had a very calm time with only one sociopath running the country for four years, with only one attempt uh invading the capitol building it's all been very quiet much as it is here thank you very much right if you want to ask me what the fuck is going on please write to me on twitter at mr mark Steel or there's a direct message thing that you can send a thing to and that seems to get through it's probably easier to find out where i live and come round and ask oh what the fuck is going on now, if you are seriously going to try and find out what the fuck is going on, then it's very important to get the perspective of the younger generation, who, after all, are going to have to work this out for many more years than we are. So, I was very astute in this because I bred someone of the younger generation, who we have with us now, Elliot Steele. Are you here? Yeah, I'm. I'm here. It should be at ElliotSteele.com on Twitter and at Steele Instagram. If we do, there's a serious lack of plugging people's socials on this show. Okay. Well, That's how you should introduce each guest. Is it? That's what's going on. What, so now our social media profiles are us more than we are. No, they are when we're doing a podcast on social media, though. That is fair enough. I'm not saying you're defined by your social media. I'm not saying you have to change your name to at ellitsteel.com. No, but now is that what we have to do now? So if you meet someone in a pub, you have to go, hello, this is at andreajenkins1439. Or oh, hello at mrmarksteel.com. Is that what we've become now? Maybe. Maybe people will regret having those novelty names where they're like, (laughs) at Jonathan Chalmers... XX69XX. That'd be really awkward, good, not Yeah, I love the ones with names like... At I love Charlton Athletic more than my own kids. 46. <laughs> um, was there 45 other people with that name? Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. I, I thought I was original with this. Now, there's a very serious issue. Plane travel is something that I think... Our generation see very, very differently. Now, this is obviously very important because this is a huge issue with climate change. When I was your age, you're 25 now, right? Yeah. When I was your age, going on a plane was a massive, massive thing. The whole street would know about it. Oh, Stan and Olive are going on a plane in October. Now, you just get on a plane and just go there... And what is it to you? Is it Does it have any sort of importance beyond just the fact that you're going somewhere? It depends. Depends why you're getting on the plane. Well, you'll just sort of go to Barcelona. I wouldn't just go... Well, yeah, like on a holiday, it's a little bit different because the plane is like an event where you get to the airport at 6am to drink before getting on the plane so you can drink on the plane so you can get to the hot place you're going to do more drinking. Yes. But that's the thing for me. That's It's always like that. I think, oh my God. God, I'm getting on a plane. I still sort of think that. And I want someone at the other end who's going to meet us and there's going to be sort of a big board with my name on it and there's a sort of bit of a celebration and stuff. Let's just not. let's Now that would be like someone getting the one free free to Streatham. Yeah, why, why should you be greeted and like there's a big celebration? You just sat on the plane. <laughs> well, the pilot <laughs> should be greeted and celebrated if anyone's to be celebrated, not you for just, you haven't done anything. You've just bought a ticket. When me and grandma, right, went on holiday when I was little, it would be a massive thing. My mum and dad would spend all week like ringing round people, oh, we're going to Bournemouth, so who knows where the best cafe is to stop, where we're going to have bacon, egg and beans. And then (laughs) my dad would go and get petrol the night before and all the drinks and a picnic and snacks for the car, and we'd have to leave at six in the morning to avoid the traffic. And then the neighbours, as we set off, the neighbours would have got up early, opened the curtains and waved, Bye. Oh, they're off then. Bye. We're off to Bournemouth to go to fucking Bournemouth from Swanley. Well, yeah, it sounds like what the racists think of the 1960s of it was just better back then. All the neighbours come out to greet you as you set off on your English holiday and you had a good time in England. This is That sounds like hell. <laughs> that sounds awful. If someone suggested to me to go on a holiday in Bournemouth, I would slap them. It's insulting. <laughs> How dare you. But because a broad didn't exist, like, and bearing in mind I was brought up in Kent, so I was uh, pretty near to France. And I remember saying to my dad once, "Will we ever go to France?" And he just went, <laughs> <laughs> "Do you know what he just said? <laughs> France, arse <talk> at you!" <laughs> didn't your, didn't your dad? Oh, have you gone? No, the, wi- the wifi the Wi Fi here is just yeah, the Wi Fi is just fucked. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Where are you at the moment? Hereford. It's so shit. Why does anyone want to live here? <laughs> I don't get it. There's no Wi-Fi. Yeah, but you have got the, the SAS are down there. Oh, that is true. I wonder if the SAS have this problem. That's why they're not in Kabul this week, because the goddamn... They don't even know what's going on, because there's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> they have no idea the Taliban have reclaimed Kabul. <laughs> The Ministry of Defence are on the phone. Get over to Kabul. We have English what? nationals. Get now. We have English nationals trying to leave. What? I've got you Break it up. Ah, the world's most advanced soldier <laughs> unit in the world. The SAS still using the ham radio. Here they come now. What a pointless place to put the world's best soldiers. <laughs> Thank you very much for explaining That does actually completely explain what the fuck is going on currently in Afghanistan. Thank you very much if you can still hear us, which you probably can't down in Harryford. Elliot Steele! What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, please subscribe, rate it, and if you'd be bothered, write a review write a review even if you can't be bothered if there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it then please send me a message on Twitter at Mr. Mark Steele and we will do our best to look at all the messages we will look at all the messages in fact, we absolutely will What the Fuck is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steel, with my guests Shaparak Kosandi and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair, it was written by Mark Steel, James seraphinovich and Pete Sinclair Music by Willie Dowling It was produced and edited by Scott and Matt at Podmonkey, What the Fuck is Going On, is a co-production between Podmonkey and Consec
2: Industries.